This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keitel, Vice President of CX of M and retired global CX executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Bob Keipel. As always, good to see you, Bob. Um, really you. excited today to welcome a couple members of the Gongas Inc. family, uh, uh, longtime supporters at CXM at MSU, and, and thought and practice leaders in the, the, the field of customer experience management. Welcome to the show, Sam and Jeannie. Hi, thanks for having us. Um, Glad to be here. Yeah, Sam and Jeannie are both represent, representatives in different um, functions from the strategy and implementation um, area at Gongas, which we're going to hear a little bit about. Um, so I've got a two-part question uh, for you. Some of our listeners who maybe aren't from the Midwest uh, region of the U.S. aren't familiar with Gongas Inc. Could you share a little bit about the kind of work that Gongas does and how your mission as an organization has changed over the years to one that's more focused on customer experience management? And secondly, as you're doing that, you know, as representatives of strategy and implementation, can you describe a little bit about how that function is helping you to achieve your mission? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a great way to kick it off. So um, as an organization, our roots were really in consumer insights. Um, we are, we've been around, I think this is our 30th year. And then um, I came on board um, around nine years ago and then really um, made a lot of strides into the types of work that we're doing. So insights and research um, is still definitely core to consumers and what drives them and what they want. Um, but we started to move into um, other spaces such as, you know, kind of the, the data analytics space um, and also uh, more in the consultative and strategy space where we're starting to um, help our client partners um, do everything from um, plan and identify white space opportunities for their business to um, setting up teams and strategies and kind of organizational goals. So um, through that transition, we've really leveraged and leaned on our insights, expertise and understanding of our clients, customers. Um, but it's just kind of been a natural progression and because of that, we started to kind of evolve our mission and how we come forward um, as a company. Specifically, over the last two years, we've really made a kind of a put a stake in the ground about what we stand for. Um, and how I would kind of summarize it now is, you know, we're in business to help reorient the relationship between customers and corporations. 
Um, and we wanna show corporations how there's mutual benefit in doing that, um, that in helping your customers um, achieve success and helping to um, come forward with what matters most to your customers, there's real business value to be had. And this can, can benefit you know, the customers, your business, the world at large, and that's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. From a strategy and implementation perspective, you know, what we've really found is that, you know, customer centricity has always been our reason for being at the center of our existence. And when we think about that, it's not just the ability to understand customer needs, but also to deliver on them and really getting more and more enmeshed with our client partners and how they implement strategies has enabled us to help them bridge that gap, really thinking about how they align internally to succeed externally with customers. I love that. That's awesome. I I just wanna refer to an article that um, you two both wrote um, for Forbes called Motivate Employees by Empowering Customer Success. And I love the whole idea of the EX, the employee experience uh, factor and how that all really is so important. So no pun intended, but can you just tell us about your motivation for writing this article about motivating employees by empowering customer success, please? Yeah, yeah. Well, the easy answer, Bob, is that it's a huge passion area area for Jeannie and I, the EX side of things, um, Mm -hmm. something that we Mm -hmm. could talk about and write about all day. Uh, But to put it in a bigger context, uh, our organization has been doing some developmental work around customer-oriented goals for the last year. And and the entire time we've been going through this process, we wanted it to not just be a conceptual exercise or an analytics exercise, but really about how do we help operationalize customer centricity. And that's a challenge uh, for organizations who are trying to do so. And so we've been trying to tackle that issue from different vantages. So we've been writing about things like what universal goals tell us about disruption and innovation, how to connect this into data ecosystems, many other areas, but specifically from our work uh, with clients in the areas of culture change, change management, strategy and implementation, we know that motivating employees and aligning them to a new way of thinking is a really big hurdle. And so we wanted to start to explore this area of employee motivation and how it's a little bit different than how executives are motivated, right? You know, they're able to see how their actions drive top line business results and quite frankly, executives are able to see the impact of business results on their own lives a lot more directly. And when it comes to employees, what we see is that the link to business success is a little more indirect. They're really looking for more purpose and meaning in their day-to-day. And so this idea of customer-driven goals really helps to achieve that for organizations. That's so interesting. So people at the very top um, are sort of experiencing the classic link between, you know, their actions and what happens with the business and it's gratifying. But then if making that distinction and calling people employees, employees have a sort of uh, a different uh, situation, which is really a great insight. I mean, that's so true. So, exactly, yeah. so uh, you know, you, your discussion leads to, to my next question. Um, for those of our listeners who haven't listened to our previous podcast in which uh, David Robbins from Gongas explained the value exchange model 
and the role of customer performance integrators, which I understand are kind of the, 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 the foundation on which um, your article is written. Could you explain those, uh, you know, lit and briefly what the value exchange model is and the role of customer performance indicators and in your work? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Tom. So the value exchange model essentially is both describing and uh, quantifying the mutually beneficial relationship that exists between business success and customer success. And this is really the critical link that we found that um, we believe was previously miss missing um, for businesses. Um, and in this model, we're thinking of business success as, um, you know, through the lens of the KPI customer lifetime value, um, which is a KPI that many organizations are, are very focused on. And then we're thinking of customer success um, through the lens of CPIs or customer performance indicators. And talked about, you know, we've been working for the past year and a half plus um, on better understanding and kind of setting up a framework for customer performance indicators that can really connect into and prove out um, business success um, when you deliver on customer performance indicators of importance. And so what we've come to is there are, you know, 14 truly unique and universal CPIs that do a good job of defining customer goals that are driving their behaviors and decisions, not only as um, consumers, but just as people in general. And so when we kind of think about like, well, how do we distill these 14 CPIs? We're thinking about them from the lens of um, functional CPIs, emotional CPIs, and social CPIs. And these buckets just define um, the type of success or goals mm -hmm these CPIs are focused around. So, you know, functional CPIs are kind of your base level. So they're the types of things that are making people's lives easier. Um, and this is something that's probably quite familiar to a lot of businesses because quite honestly, they focus on them. Um, things like easy access to the information or resources I need, ability to save money, um, ability to save time, those types of very core um, functional benefits that businesses can provide. And then there's those emotional CPIs, which describe factors of emotional success for us. As um, so this might be something like improves my mental well-being or provides me with a sense of accomplishment. And then the smallest subset of CPIs are those social CPIs, um, which help define how we as human beings kind of achieve uh, social success. Um, so that might be, you know, like an ability to connect with others, allowing um, me to help others. Um, elevating my perceived status, those types of things. Um, so between the two of these, these um, business success metrics and customer success metrics, we're able to say not only what is that relationship, um, but why is it important to both your customers and your business in terms of realizing more value? So quick follow-up question based on what you asked. Is it your, in your opinion, do businesses fail to recognize the role and importance of both emotional and, and, and social goals and, and also the role of employees delivering on those? I think that's hard to say. I think that um, many businesses and brands where they are in their maturity and just based solely on the products and services they provide um, they can realize a lot of value just by focusing on functional CPIs. 
Um, if you're not saving people money, um, if you're a brand like Walmart, you know, you're failing. Mm-hmm. So some of those emotional and social CPIs are kind of um, higher tiers that start to deliver value um, at different levels. And they can still be very important to businesses, but they tend to be kind of um, more of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right of a business to make it an afterthought or not. And that's one of the great things about this model is it can bring forward, you know, what are those CPIs of these 14 that are really most critical to um, deliver on in order to create value for the business? And to build on what Jeannie said, we see a lot of businesses in kind of a evaluate and repair mindset where they're taking a look, they're looking through the lens of the business, the things that they're focused on, mm-hmm. and they're, they're saying, okay, customers, are we delivering on those things? What's wrong? What's wrong with your experience? What are the pain points? Are you dissatisfied? Tell us why. And trying to fix those things mm-hmm. iteratively. And that's really important. But what we see as we start to focus on additional goals that customers are looking for in their lives is an opportunity to also start to discover new opportunities for the brands, for uh, places they can build um, in new ways that are more differentiating versus just delivering on kind of those core functional attributes that Jeannie talked about. Yeah, I would imagine that, um, and we may have touched on this with David, um, but I'll repeat it. I would imagine that those functional goals are really important early in the relationship and, and you have to do well, right? But mm-hmm. and then as your evaluations become less cognitive and maybe more emotional and in, in, in manner, as you're moving into the relationship, those emotional and social goals take on a higher level of importance. Yeah. And we're also just seeing a shift in general in terms of um, what's being expected of corporations and organizations from consumers. Mm-hmm. So um, it's becoming more and more important to consumers that um, businesses are focused on some of these more emotional and social elements. You know, you'll see it play out in um, in different ways, but in terms of the causes that they support, um, in terms of um, how they fit into their lives, even outside of the context of um, a particular product, you know, when a brand's truly successful, they're let into um, that consumer's lives outside of the context of that product. Um, and that's what you're seeing with, you know, truly meaningful engagement with brands and customers. Um, that's not just purely transactional in nature. Um, and so we're seeing too that, you know, moving into the future, it's going to become more and more critical likely um, to focus on some of these emotional CPIs and social CPIs as consumer expectations of um, brand starts to shift. So, um, you know, we already sort of pitched this, but, you know, you do need to kind of listen to the David Robbins podcast, uh, although we've kind of summarized here. Um, to me, the real moment of that conversation that really got me was it's just so customer centric. Um, You know, we have all these KPIs in the world and this model is so fantastic because it's like, no, what are the customers trying to achieve, you know? And so if you're somebody at a company and you're, you know, excited about this concept of, you know, reframing your goals for customer experience, through a customer lens, um, how can you do that? What, what does that look like? And how can you reframe your goals in a way that motivate the employees? 
Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I think it's one of the things that kind of excites me most um, about the value exchange model um, because it's concretely proven that there is value in helping your customers achieve success. Um, I think what it um, gives executives and business leaders the confidence to do is to embrace more customer-centric strategies. And I think like at the core, like you said, this comes to like, well, how are we positioning um, what our organization is setting out to do it, uh, you know, in a fiscal year or beyond. Um, so, you know, to kind of, to pitch an example, today, a lot of organizations are framing and anchoring their goals to those business-centric KPIs to prove improvement on those. And that's kind of the measure for success or failure on those goals. So you might have a goal, we need to increase our customer lifetime value by 5%, you know, by year. And as Sam's hit on, you know, this is something that an executive can latch on to understand. Um, and they're often beholden to deliver against it. So it holds a lot of importance and weight with them. But for the average employee, especially frontline employees or people in, um, who might find it harder to connect into that KPI of CLV, not only is it gonna hold less meaning, they're not gonna know how to influence it or to act mm -hmm. against it. Um, and so what this creates is that disconnect or like a non-starter for many organizations because they need employee engagement um, to really move the needle on these um, organization-wide goals. And what the value exchange model would enable an organization to do is to reframe that less accessible KPI goal in the context of these more accessible CPIs. And the reason why we like to do this is because, you know, CPIs are human centered. Um, and so not only that, they're universal. So regardless of an employee's position, tenure, expertise, background, um, it's going to be more engaging and intuitive for them to see how that benefits not only the customer, but how they fit into that equation of serving the customer and serving the organization. And that's that gives them purpose in their job, but it also connects them back to that um, higher order goal of the organization. Mm -hmm. That's it's awesome. that human centered piece, I think, Bob, that really like hits it for me that Jeannie mentioned. Um, and that's what allows it to be a lot more tangible for employees too, is that if you know, we're all humans, we can all, we can all think about that. And so I think what the, the value exchange model does is it does that behind the scenes work, taking the goal that a business has, translating that into something that is a little more human centered. And all of a sudden, instead of saying we need to increase X or Y metric, you're saying we need to help our customers feel a greater sense of accomplishment. Um, and maybe, you know, you're a, you're a fitness chain or a discount retailer, and it can mean different things for that brand, but an employee sitting in any seat, whether they're serving the customer, whether they're in finance, helping to fund initiatives, whether they're in marketing, talking about how they position to the external world, they can grasp, you know, what that customer is really looking for and how can they can really be empowered to support that need. That's so awesome. I just, I just like Sam that you just put this into like an example, like a company could be sitting here going, we got to improve NPS because if we have better NPS, mm -hmm. we're going to make more money. Isn't that great? Everybody. Yay. Okay. But instead it's saying what we're trying to do is help our 
customers become more successful, you know, functionally or emotionally, whatever the case may be, because of that. And so putting that into that context makes the whole company more customer focused, which is just super. It's a great so, yeah, you guys talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, the importance of um, communicating your values to the customer. So in a way they can they can shop with, with their values because we tend to seek out organizations who share our values. Um, are you proposing the same for employees? You know, when we talk about employee engagement, um, isn't part of that ensuring that they also understand the company's values and ascribe to them in a way that they help to deliver on those values to the customer and thus reaffirm their decision to, to choose us? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think employees are looking for purpose and meaning in the everyday. As much as they're looking for the functional benefits of a job, they have social and emotional needs when they come to work every day. And this is a way to connect them to how their work makes an impact. Um, and that's incredibly motivating. When the expectations are clear and the impact is clear, it's a lot easier to feel empowered and excited about what you're doing. I've yep. always felt like you, the thing you want in your job is to make meaningful progress today on meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but understanding what that means, you know, I think, mm-hmm. I think over time, we've oversimplified the relationship customers have with organizations. And we're figuring that out now. And what you guys are talking about helps to unravel that. But we've also oversimplified this this relationship between CX and EX or, or employee satisfaction and customer satisfaction. Um, very few of us roll out of bed and go to work and put our heart into it simply because we're being paid. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's much deeper, isn't it? And, you know, I, which kind of leads to the next question. Um, you know, we're human beings to begin with, and, and we're not, you know, and, and, and we make mistakes. Um, what, what are, what are going to be the moving forward? What are going to be the biggest challenges that organizations face in keeping their employees consistently motivated to deliver on the categories of customer performance goals that you've identified? Yeah, that's a great question. It's something that, um, are tackling every day with clients. It's like the ongoing, ever-present challenge. Um, And it it takes different shapes um, depending on the organization and their culture and where they are and and what they do. So there's, you know, when I think back on all the kind of consultative work we've done in this space, so many challenges have come up, but um, to kind of create a short list of what are those, those that we keep coming up against that we've got to figure out a way to move and strategize against. Um, lack of clarity is kind of the first big one. And I think this is, you know, do your employees understand what you're asking of them? And um, if you don't get that right, <laughs> you can't do anything. So that's um, where that reframing becomes a really critical first step in the right direction. Um, The other thing is lack of consistency in terms of how a goal is positioned to employees and also what they're empowered to do um, around that goal. So you have to both make sure the goal is clear, that you're consistently presenting it to them in the same 
so that they um, feel confident that they understand it and that it's clear to them what steps they should be taking um, in, in order to kind of take action against that goal. And then the third thing I think is um, around rewards. So it's very common for executives to have um, kind of their um, incentives around meeting certain KPIs, but reward systems that for mid and lower level employees around these goals is far less common. Um, and you know, we're human. We like to be rewarded for, for our work. And, and, and that's what rallies teams and people together and makes us feel like we're all in it for one common purpose. So um, reward systems don't have to be big. They have to be consistent and they have to be fair and they have to reward the type of behavior that you're looking for in employees to drive those um, kind of end goals as an organization. And then the last thing um, is a lack of prioritization or focus. So when you think of all that's being put on employees and there are many different roles and responsibilities, there can be a lot of noise. And if you're only putting an organization-wide goal in front of employees or managers or a team once a year, once a quarter, yet mm -hmm. really enough to drive behavior changes that are going to move the needle. So it's important to make it really clear what their focus should be and how they should, um, you know, take action on it in their daily roles. Otherwise it's going to get lost in the myriad of other mm -hmm. things being asked of them. Now, doesn't a lot of that responsibility fall on the shoulders of of middle management and frontline supervisors, um, not just to provide clarity, but to provide coaching and acknowledge those efforts. Because really what we're talking about is human behavior, right? And to your point, it can't be boiled down to one employee of the quarter. Um, it's gotta be, it's, it's, it's really gotta be that continued encouragement and acknowledgement um, Really, yeah. really lead, you know, and, and this is something we don't talk enough about is what does effective leadership look like in the CX space? Um, and how is it and how is it being delivered consistently? Yeah, and that's a huge part of it, too. I think Sam um, has a lot of experience, too, and like the kind of the trickle down communication plans that kind mm -hmm. of tightly knit these um, these strategies together. Yeah, and, and one of the pitfalls from a leadership perspective, Tom, that folks can fall into is that things like employee motivation sometimes feel soft in comparison to the other ways in which the organization might be activating on something like customer performance indicators. But when we think about overcoming the challenges that Jeannie's talking about, it requires structure. It requires, you know, what you're talking about is changing behaviors and changing behaviors means consistency of messaging from top down, mm -hmm. woven into how the company talks about things, woven into how middle managers are talking to their teams. Mm -hmm. And it also needs to be reinforced by just norms of the company, how we do things, the, the language we use, the things that we celebrate as a team, the behaviors that are recognized. Uh, the tools we have, how knowledge is shared, all of these things help us to ultimately create a culture in which these customer goals are, are what we're all driving toward. Yeah, I, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Well, I was going to kind of jump to change the topic a little bit here, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. It, it's got to be something that you need to be strategic, right? And you need to be executing. You can't just assume that 
good leadership is something that people develop on their own and intuitively. And um, you got to, you got to create, need to provide direction and training and also accountability. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That kind of does lead to what I was going to ask. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the strategery of all this. Okay. So this company. <laughs> is that a word strategy? It is now. It's not, you, it, yeah, it, it comes from MSU. Um, word to me. Yeah. Um, I may be wrong. Um, but we have this strategy in mind now. We, we're, we've, 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 we believe in being customer centric and we have CPIs because we want to help our customers reach their objectives. Um, what can an organization do to create the strategies now? Because we know what our CPIs are to deliver on these customer performance goals. Can we work with our customers and our employees? How does that, what does that look like? What's the benefits of the way you would want to approach the strategy to deliver on the CPIs? Definitely, definitely. You know, this is where the work gets really fun. It, it can take a lot of shapes depending on the organization and where they're trying to go. But absolutely, we want to get the strategy, not just from the top, but really taking it to mm-hmm. the level where it's going to have the most impact. And so, you know, while the organization at the executive level is determining where is our focus going to be um, using value exchange model to understand where they can have the most impact, the actual meat of how do we accomplish a change in delivering on customer goals happens with employees and customers. And so obviously there's there's work to be done for a brand in just really empathizing with what a goal looks like within their current experience. So definitely doing additional uh, exploration with consumers about how they experience that goal, what are the pain points, um, and really building that firsthand empathy Uh, and sharing that with employees so they can hear from the customer themselves of what they're looking for, what they're lacking. And then we absolutely recommend co-creation sessions that include both the customer and employee voice, identifying those opportunities in the day-to-day where impact can be made. The smallest steps are gonna have the biggest impact in some of these areas. And so, you know, those solutions, new products, um, little tweaks to just how the company interacts with a brand uh, can really come at that intersection of identifying the goals, bringing in the customer voice, and talking to those frontline employees that are living this day in and day out. Let me just follow up about the, uh, the customer side of things. You know, it's kind of typical to ask for the pain points, you know, what, what, what is difficult about buying something at Home Depot or something. Um, but you're saying to go a step further, which is to actually reveal in a way the company's strategy and get feedback directly from customers, right? Yeah. And what's really cool about these universal goals is when you start talking to someone about a company that gives you options, you're not necessarily you know, comparing if you're in the insurance business, insurance versus insurance. You're thinking about you know, your Spotify account where you've got access to everything. You're thinking about mm-hmm. e-commerce where you've got it at the click of a button. And so really taking that broader uh, macro view of what does delivering on that goal really look like and feel like to customers. And then they can help you in that process of translating it to your brand or industry. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I, I refer to it as the Amazon effect or the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, we as consumers, we've been conditioned to, to have access to information we want to order when we want it, get it when we need it. 
and and we've we brought that over that expectation over to to all of our consumer experiences right so it's not just about um how can we tweak what we've got but how can we adjust um the way we deliver to our customer expectations it's so true and that's where we see uh every brand regardless of you know how well their customers may be satisfied today there is a tremendous opportunity for growth because the the expectations the stakes are just getting higher for for customers and how they think about these things so i want to oh, oh go ahead do you have something oh i was just going to connect to that um the other kind of thing that businesses can really hone in on is when you understand the cpis that are both important and that are largely undelivered on, whether mm. um, through your brand, through your category or across other brands, you can start to see where there's opportunity for disruption. And that can become mm. either an opportunity for your brand um, to kind of go and launch into new spaces mm. or to kind of protect your turf and realize, hey, there's this gap here in a critical CPI and how it's being delivered. And we need to really focus in on this today because mm. if we don't two, five years from now, um, you know, we could be extinct to be dramatic, but you know, that's, that's how um, disruption works. And we've seen it happen with many brands. You know, you just think about, um, you know, what was it? Greek yogurt came on the scene, you know, yogurt was not ready for that. Mm. So that was the whole, you know, need for improved wellness and, and more protein than um, one's diet in the morning and, and throughout the day. So it really can flip how we're even thinking about um, not just what you're delivering on today, but what you could be delivering on. Yeah. In the future. So let, yeah, let, let's circle back here, talk a little bit more about co-creation and, and the employee involvement in that process and the cycle, the, the, the impact that it has not only on those employees, but also employees who are made aware of the process. Um, Cause I can't help but think about the sense of ownership that it creates as opposed to us just merely working off a set of data and management proposing solutions. Can you talk a little bit ab about that and the impact it has on um, employee involvement in that process and the organization as a whole? Yeah. I'll, uh... I'll talk to an example we had with um, an insurance client where we were creating solutions among um, uh, various types of medical experts and office staff, um, people, patients, essentially members of a specific insurance plan. And then we had um, our clients and we were bringing them together to, to problem solve. And the aha moments that you get when you hear how a solution that maybe the insurance company has designed and they designed it to solve um, a specific challenge, whether that be around knowing the cost of something before you receive the care um, to kind of put an mm -hmm. example there. But then seeing how that solution is actually used in reality in a doctor's office by members and uh, by practitioners and, and seeing those gaps and hearing those pain points, those, um, employees that were responsible for designing this tool were immediately able to, to see, oh my mm -hmm. God, 
even consider this. Mm. And they, they now had that, that customer experience lens of how their tool was actually being used that is so much more powerful when you have that ha with all those parties together. Um, and it really just drives uh, rapid progress and an understanding of um, the customer pain points around what you're trying to solve for. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's the aha moments that you mentioned, Jeannie. It's the ownership that you mentioned, mm -hmm. Tom. And I think it also has a tremendous impact on the relationship between employees and leadership shifting mm -hmm. from a top-down mindset yep. to one where leaders can be servant leaders. And, and it's yeah. not, here's what you should do. It's how do I help you do your job and activate these great ideas that you have it can be really powerful. Wow. What a, what a great point to, to close on, on our episode. Thanks so much for being here today, guys. This is exciting. Um, and we'd love moving forward. We'd love to hear more examples of how it's being put into practice. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. And listeners, thanks for tuning in again for another episode of the Tom and Bob show. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.